This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Offerman and Jacob Brecht with you here on another episode of the Steelers Standard. We said on our first episode of today that it would not be long until Quincy Roche found himself on another roster being claimed by another team. Well, in the five-minute period between stopping that recording and starting this one, Quincy Roche was claimed by the New York football giants, a move that is not surprising at all. Like we said, this guy is a baller. He was a sixth round pick. People thought he was better than Rousseau at sometimes in his career in Miami. Of course, a team is going to be willing to take a shot at him and he's not going to end up on your practice squad. I think the Steelers would have been a team if Quincy Roche made another team <laughs> drafted as a rookie and then cut before the final 53, the Steelers would have been first in line to get a guy like Quincy Roche. It, 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 it's upsetting, Tom, because I think there are other guys less deserving on this team who got a roster spot for different reasons. And I, I just don't see the logic of going after someone in the draft, not even your last pick, and saying, well, we can't keep him. There are other guys that we need. Well, Roche is a giant, no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler. The guys that did make the 53-man roster, they got put into an initial depth chart by the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can go to Steelers.com. Just search the depth chart there. You'll be able to find it. Uh, there are some moves on this depth chart that are a bit surprising to me, Jacob. And the first one, and really the only one that has to do with anybody in the starting 11 on either side of the ball, is J.C. Hassenhauer is still the first-team center, according to Steelers.com and the depth chart. Kendrick Green coming in at the number two spot for center. We haven't seen that since really ever at camp or preseason. I think the first depth chart at the beginning of camp had Hassenhauer at the big front of the depth chart, but Kendrick Green started every single preseason game for the Steelers. It's a little shocking to see him as the number two center right now. I think that can change before Buffalo, obviously, but if they had to play the game tomorrow, according to this, Hassenhauer is your starting center. Tom, how much is this just an on-paper thing, though? compared to what's I, I gonna, don't what's I can't answer that reality. honestly because I don't it was to me when camp started but now we're we're in it now I mean this is these practices the rest of this week and next week are preparing you for Buffalo so I, I don't know if there's any room for any just on paper moves is there a gamesmanship here with the bills going on maybe they think that has will start instead of green I don't think that that would be the case either I think it's a little bizarre. I'm worried somewhat. Not not a lot, but I'm worried slightly that it will be Hassenhauer week one instead of Green. If it is Hassenhauer week one, I, I don't expect it to be much longer than a couple of snaps, if not just a series, and then you just throw Kendra Green in there. I can't imagine after what seemed like Kendra Green earning first-team reps, the team going with, Hass an hour to start is really any possibility of a long-term reality well how about this maybe this is more of the Steeler this is indicative of the Steelers kind of we mentioned on our episode earlier this week you know the one thing with Kendrick Green is he's gotten pushed off the ball a couple times I mean he hasn't exactly had a golden go at it as the center for this team Maybe the Steelers have seen that and they don't like what they've seen him getting blown off the ball a little too much that they're going to go with the veteran at least to start the season. Hopefully that institutes some stability, some, you know, Kendrick Green's ceiling is higher than Hassenhauer's, but maybe Hassenhauer's floor isn't as low as Kendrick Green's is right now. And 
Maybe they don't want to take that risk again. Listen, we've said all along throughout this preseason, the Steelers are one of the most rookie-adverse teams in the NFL, and their entire offense is centered around a rookie in Najee Harris and is going to have major contributions from Pat Fryermuth, and we expected Kendrick Green to be the third person in that trio. Three people who are rookies to be relied on for the Steelers is so rare. I don't know. They could be getting some cold feet based on what they've seen from Green getting pushed off the ball. And they're going to go with the veteran and Hassenhauer at least to start things off. Yeah, it's very likely that if there weren't three rookies who could all start for this offense in the 2021 season, say there's no, not even no Najee Harris. Say Najee Harris is now a second-year guy. Pat Frymuth is a second- or third-year guy. I think that would give Kendrick Green the green light to start here. Because as you said, we know how... risk adverse this this coaching staff is and how risk adverse Mike Tomlin is and if Kendrick Green's the only rookie you're considering starting I think it's a no-brainer that you would go with him maybe only because Najee Harris has to start week one there's no question about it you you, you would be looked at as a fool if you went with any of the guys behind him Benny Tony Mack or Balazs I don't care which one you'd be you'd be laughed out of the NFL if you went with any of them over Najee Harris Kendrick Green isn't that guaranteed or that that much of a guarantee to be a success in this league or a success right at the gate as we as we think Najee Harris is. And of course, Pat Frymuth isn't even starting. It's it's Eric Ebron who is. But we expect Eric Ebron to get by the end of the season more snaps, if not more starts than Eric Ebron. So I can't blame Tomlin for saying we have so many young guys on this team who, who are already starters or could be starters by the end of the year. We don't need to rush Kendrick Green into it to start off the season. I do still believe that Kendrick Green will start week one in Buffalo. I still lean that way. Although I am a little more worried than I was initially. I still, Which is fair. I still think he leans towards number 53 getting the start. What you said a couple of minutes ago was we are no longer just – walking into training camp for the first day and it was Hassenauer who was listed at number one this is with all of training camp and all the preseason behind us the only thing left to do now is go out to Buffalo I understand why your concern is is a little heightened compared to what it was a month ago one rookie that's played extremely well on the offensive line is Dan Mort Jr. He is listed as the second string left tackle behind Chooks we mentioned on an earlier episode that more has been vocal about moving to right tackle has been a bit of an adjustment a little bit more than he's asked for he's definitely way more comfortable at that left tackle spot so he slides in as the second string left tackle joe Haig is the second string right tackle behind zach banner but what you've been seeing in practices the past couple days jacob is chooks playing the right tackle and dan moore starting at left tackle and those are the reps you've been getting all practice Leads me to believe that the Steelers are not optimistic that Zach Banner will be ready to go week one. I think if they thought Banner would be ready to go against Buffalo, you just have Dan Moore kind of plug in at that right tackle spot to get through practices, but you keep Chooks at left tackle because that's where you want him to play week one. The fact that they're moving Chooks over to the right side tells me that that's where they expect him to be against the Buffalo Bills, and Dan Moore Jr. is going to have to be the starting left tackle come week one. I think it's a combination of you don't believe that Banner will be fully available to you come week one. And even if he is, you're not so confident with his ability to play or or the best that he can give you may not be the best or exactly what you're looking for. So I, I have no problem, Tom, 
with this carousel of guys. Obviously, when it comes to the offensive line, as Wolf pointed out when we were on his show a while ago, the, there are a couple of C's that you attribute to the offensive line. It's consistency, it's chemistry, and it's one other that we can we continue to forget. <laughs> but you don't want to just say, well, I'm going to go with Chooks here this day and Banner here this day, and then the next game I'm going to go with with Chooks on the opposite side of which I played him last week, and then I'll put Dan Moore here. You want your five to play for as long together as they possibly can. And for, obviously, you want, by doing so, that creates that chemistry. And that's not going to happen if you continue to go with a combination of these four tackles. I would just like to, we just said in our previous segment about the, the 53 final roster that we thought eight was a little short of what you're usually comfortable going with for the offensive line. But I kind of, I'm not saying you should cut banner. Of course not. That's not what I'm saying at all. I just kind of say you kick the tires on him as a starter. Just say it's not working out. Clearly you're unavailable to us. And even when you are, you're not out there for more than what 12 snaps per game. And that's not what we can. That's not what we want out of a starting offensive line. I think it's a smart move for the Steelers to say it's too unpredictable what your available availability is to us. We're just gonna go with Chooks at the right and either Joe Haig or Dan Moore Jr. at the left, and that's the decision we have to stick with. I think the Steelers' best offensive line right now, in my mind, is from left to right, Dan Moore, Kevin Dotson, Kendrick Green, Trey Turner, Chooks for. I think that's their best five. I think so, too, but it's scary to hear two rookies out there. Of course. But I agree with you. I, I think those are the five best offensive linemen you have. And those are four out of five guys that could be here for 10-plus years. I mean, Dan Moore and Kendrick Green, obviously. Dotson's in his second year. Chooks is in his fourth year, I think. So Chooks has been around a little bit longer. And Trey Turner is not someone that you're hoping is just a journeyman one year kind of thing. If he can stay healthy, this is a guy you can get three or four more years out of. No, I want Trey Turner to have the career he had previously in, in his Pro Bowl, perennial Pro Bowl in Carolina. Player. I want that to happen here in Pittsburgh. And I think it can still. It's all just about being healthy for him. He's going to have to take on a more leadership role. I think Ben's going to lean on him to be the leader vocally and by example in that very young offensive line. But, look, I think the fact that it's Ben, you know, kind of that last ride, he's old, you don't know if this is his last year or not, that kind of is creating some hesitation to go with what we just said is the five best linemen because of all of that youth and inexperience and two rookies really being your anchor. I mean, your anchor spots on the line is left tackle is the most important spot if your quarterback's a righty, right? Switch it if your quarterback's one of the rare lefties. The blind side tackle is the biggest spot on the line. And then center is the captain of the line. Two of those guys, your anchors, are rookies right now. And I think that scares the hell out of the Pittsburgh Steelers when it comes to protecting Ben and getting the most out of Ben for this one last ride, where I think you have to take an educated risk here and start the youth and start those five guys we listed because they give you the best chance to have the best line you could possibly have. And then if you have Banner coming in as a swing guy, and that's where Banner really cut his teeth in the NFL as the number 72 is reporting as an eligible receiver guy. And the fans went nuts. He was the best at being that sixth man, that swing tackle. Have him kind of much like how you're having Spillane fall into the role that he was best at by taking on a depth spot. You can kind of do the same thing with Banner on this offensive line by taking a lot more off of his plate. 
and letting him shine in the role that he made his name for here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I have no problem with that. But again, I don't even know if Banner's going to be able to do that for the Steelers. You've been given no sign throughout the entire preseason None. and training camp process that he's going to be able to do that for you. None. No no sign at all. 12 snaps in the past 365-plus days. I mean, what can you possibly glean from that guy? And it's not like they're not without options as that swing guy is concerned, even if Dan Moore has to start, because Joe Haig can certainly step up and be that sixth man. Last thing on the offensive line, there's no one in the guard spot behind the starters, Trey Turner right. and Kevin Dotson. Uh, we talked about this on our last episode. That might be something that they need to go out and address. I understand that Hassenhauer or Kendrick Green, I guess, whoever is the backup will be the swing move. guy and be the first man up if a guard, either guard or center goes down. Y you'd think you'd want to have at least one more guard there. I think nine offensive linemen is definitely the way to go about it at the very least. And I don't know. I, I, th I see those two holes in the second string guard spots, and I get a little bit nervous that the depth is going to be tested at a spot that's not that strong at the top, let alone in the depth category. You're saying the guard spot? Guard, the backup guard spot. Seeing right now on my computer screen these two blank spaces. Up oh, yeah, two, it's That's scary. concerning. It's a little scary. It's scary. I thought you were trying to say the starters. No, the starters are the good. The starters are, are yeah. as good as they've been for a while for the Steelers. Uh, I, I agree with you, though. I think after – these next couple of days, I, it wouldn't shock me if some guy who didn't make the final 53 on another NFL team, Kevin Colbert's going to say, why well, I see something in him. I, I'd rather him on my team. Not only so that another team can't get him, but because you can't just have no one behind uh, Kevin Dawson or uh, Trey Turner. I mean, I, I'd be okay with seeing either at the right guard or left guard, no one behind one of those but to have no one at depth at either guard position is a scary thought not even a thought it's reality it's reality is what we it's what we're facing right now as uh Steelers fans and Steelers analysts running back that we were shocked when Benny Snell kind of got the roster spot you can hear that in our earlier episode that we did today I was even more shocked when I find out where he landed on the depth chart. He is the backup to Najee Harris as it, it stands makes right now. No sense. It makes to no me sense whatsoever. at all. He's the number two running back. Uh, one guy presented it to me. Who was it? We were talking to him. Tim Benz was in for Mark Madden yesterday. We had a guest on, and he was kind of explaining this. And it was the only way that I could kind of somewhat make it make sense is where. Anthony McFarlane is the third running back, but he's a guy that's going to play the most other than Najee Harris if Najee's healthy. He's a gadget guy. He's so versatile. Good change of pace back. He'll be the backup to Najee when Najee's starting. Then it was a matter of who's going to be the guy if Najee goes down. And a lot of people said it would have been Kalen Balaj. You know, he's got the pedigree, kind of the similar style-ish to Najee, a bigger back. But there was questions about, is Kalen Balaj still able to have 25, 28 carries a game? And that was kind of the, the hang-up, whereas the Steelers probably view Benny Snell as, maybe he's a little bit lesser than Balaj, but I can carry Benny Snell for 25 carries a game. I can push Benny Snell to play a, a starting role in this offense. So I think you'll find Benny Snell as the number two back on the depth chart, simply because if, God forbid, Najee goes down, He'll end up kind of being your Snell cow. You'll see more Bellage and more McFarlane than you would if Harris was healthy. But I think you'll see Snell get the majority of the carries because the coaching staff just views him as the most likely candidate to handle a starting workload right now out of all the backups. I mean, McFarlane's obviously not going to be able to handle a starter's workload. 
But with Balage and Snell, it kind of this depth chart positioning kind of makes me see like they lean towards Snell being the guy if Harris goes down. I'll tell you why I, I disagree with that because I I know Mike Tomlin likes his bell cow type of running backs, and as you said, and as the guest on. Tim Benz filling in for Madden yesterday said, Balazs you're not comfortable going with for 30-plus carries or even in the neighborhood of 30 carries per game. But when you're without Najee Harris, you can't go with the, the game plan or, or the strategy of one guy and one guy only with a guy filling in here or there. I think you have to go running back by committee. It works for other NFL teams. It would have worked for you if Najee Harris stayed healthy. But in the case that he doesn't, you can't just go with the same mentality because look what's happened to you in the past. In 2019 and in 2020, you tried to go with just one guy, and James Conner worked until he got hurt. And then Betty Snell worked until he got hurt. And James Samuels kind of worked for just that one game against the New England Patriots in 2018, and that was it. So you can't go with that games, that, that mindset here. I think you should still put Balazs at number two. And whenever Balazs kind of gets tired, that's when you fill in with Benny and Tony Mack. I don't see – this is the only guy who has legitimate starting experience. I know Benny Snell has starting experience here in Pittsburgh, but it's only because they were so worn down at the position they had really nowhere else to turn. Kalen Balazs was a legitimate starter in this league, was successful as a starter for other NFL teams. I don't see why you can't just say, okay, well, we can't give him the ball 30 times, 25 times, but if we can give him the ball 15, 18 times, and then we'll fill in the holes with guys like Tony Mack and Benny Snell, that's our best strategy. So I really, even despite other people's arguments, I still don't see the logic in going with Benny Snell at number two. On the defensive side of the ball, Alex Highsmith, despite what some national pundits have probably been telling you for the past month and a half, won the outside linebacker starting job over Melvin Ingram. At least he's listed as the starter on the initial depth chart for the Steelers. Ingram will play starter minutes, though. He will be a massive contributor to the defense. There's three starting outside linebackers for your Pittsburgh Steelers this year, not just the traditional two. So ignore what a depth chart says there. One surprising move in the linebacking core, it looks to me, if I'm reading this right, the guy behind Devin Bush and therefore the first inside linebacker off the bench is going to be UG3 instead of Robert Spillane, who finds himself behind Joe Schobert as the fourth linebacker on this depth chart. What a fall from grace Bob Spillane has had where he was going to be the starter just two weeks ago for this team, and now he's probably not even the first one off the bench when Bush or Schobert need a blow. Oh, he's certainly not. I mean, but I don't. It's not that I have more confidence in UG3 to take over that role if, if Joe or Devin go down. It's just I've seen more of Robert Spillane, and every time he's gone out there, every successive time he's gone out there, it's I've gotten less and less confidence confident in his ability. So, Do you think it comes down to, okay, both of these guys are ass in coverage. They're not that great linebackers. UG3 is more athletic than Spillane. Maybe his athleticism helps him keep up a little bit better. I mean, Possibly. that's that's got to be the there's splitting hairs between those two. That's got to be the only factor because Spillane is just slow, man. He's just a slow linebacker. Yeah, he's I mean, I could he's agree a one more. track downhill blitz tackle for loss guy. If he has to move laterally or have any sort of agility involved in changing of directions, I mean, he gets burned every time. 
I mean, talk about getting burned. He got burned on a great route ran by the Panthers for that. I think it was their last touchdown of the day in the in the in the red zone. He just had no idea where the ball was going. But <laughs> the, I I forget who was throwing the ball at the time, which quarterback was playing. But it was I think Robbie Anderson, who's a legitimate receiver in this league, which is so. Robbie Anderson is probably like a top what twenty five receiver in this league. Completely ran by Robert Spillane and completely just put his hands and head in the right spot. Robert Spillane had no idea what he was doing. And I mentioned this the other day, how, yes, Robert Spillane on one play had a tackle for loss. Great to see. We know he can cover for the run game. But the very next play, as you push them outside deep for a long third down conversion, it's an 18-yard pass, and it's it's Robert Spillane playing catch-up, finally bringing the guy down as he converted the first down. He's just not good in pass coverage. It's obvious to everyone, and I don't know. I understand why you had to keep him because I, the Marcus Allen thing to me is questionable why he's still on the team. I think that it's a, that's an, that's a failed experiment. I'm more willing to see what can I get out of Buddy Johnson. I was just going to say he's breathing down both UG3 and Spillane's Yeah, I'm, I'm more excited to get Buddy Johnson out there than I am to see Robert Spillane or UG3 as the backups. So hopefully – they stay healthy all year long, but if Bush or Schobert were to go down, let's make it like week 15, week 16, when Buddy Johnson can maybe be up to speed and play more. I have no – I don't I don't like seeing Robert Spillane out there. I don't like talking about Robert Spillane because I have no confidence in him. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully that Joe Schobert and Devin Bush can both stay healthy this year, knock on wood, because we obviously – saw Devin Bush go down last year. Hopefully that doesn't happen to either of them. I, I just don't want to talk too much about Robert Spillane because it's going to make me more and more upset. As far as the secondary fell for the Steelers, there's no surprises in the depth chart, but there was a bit of a surprise off the field today as we found out this morning some updates on the Joe Hayden contract situation. If you had not heard up to this point, Joe Hayden had been vocal about an extension from the Steelers wanting to end his career in Pittsburgh and wanting to sign another long-term deal here. Today, it has been decided by Joe Hayden and his agent, and probably the Steelers as well, having some input in there, that he will play his final year out of his contract this year, and he will enter free agency for the first time in his NFL career in 2022. Drew Rosenhaus' agent says they expect a very strong market in 2022 and that Joe is excited to test the free agency waters for the first time. Absolutely right move for the Steelers to do. You do not want to tie up long-term money into a guy who could have his career, the plug on his career pulled in an instant, just based on his age, based on, you know, his athleticism, taking a step back, him losing a step defensively. Still one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. I saw a list that he has the most pass breakups of any cornerback since 2010 in the National Football League with 137. So he's still really, really good Pro Bowl caliber. But, you know, that bottom's going to fall out eventually. It always does. And I just think it's in the Steelers' best interest to, if they're going to keep Joe Hayden around, it's got to be a year-by-year thing. And just because they said, oh, we're excited to get out in the free agency and Joe's excited to test those waters, Steelers fans, that is not a death sentence that this is his final year. If he plays really well this season, I totally see the Steelers trying to broker a one-year deal again with him in 2022. And he said earlier, a couple of weeks ago, he wants to spend the rest of his career right. in Pittsburgh. That's why he wanted the long-term contract. Yeah. Which didn't happen 
But if he does perform to a level, and I've said this multiple times on this show and on other shows, that I thought the performance by Joe Hayden was a little too harshly criticized in 2020. I thought he had a fine campaign this past year. People, I think, were just so high on on the ceiling that he hit, the, the peak that he hit during his time in Pittsburgh in 2019 playing alongside Steve Nelson. I think they both did well the next year. I think it was Steve Nelson who took the step back and that couldn't be more clear considering he's not on this team anymore. He's now in Philadelphia. Uh, actually, maybe we should check that. I don't know if he made the final 53 in Philadelphia. It would it would surprise me if he didn't, but we can assume he did, and he's no longer in Pittsburgh. But I think the play by both of those two guys in 2019 hit such a high that people are expecting that high to continue in 2020, and it certainly didn't happen for Steve Nelson. But I don't think... Joe Hayden really took that large of a step back. People, I think, were very critical of his play. I thought he did just fine. If you're looking at a, a cornerback as old as he is, we know that certain positions in the NFL hit a ceiling at once they hit that once they hit that certain age. Running backs, we always talk about not even 30 anymore. It's kind of hitting like 28, 27, where the guys just miss a step or are too slow anymore cornerbacks also i mean we we know that josh norman was once the most talked about cornerback in the league now i don't even know where if he's still in buffalo i, I couldn't buffalo. tell you i mean richard sherman was one of the most elite cornerbacks we've seen f for a while he's, he's no longer now. he's in legal trouble but he's no longer On the team, elite yeah. cornerback he he used to be jalen ramsey he's still pretty young Actually, didn't we say Jalen Ramsey is like 26? No, he's shockingly young. He's only like 24. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. So maybe give it a couple of years. Maybe Jalen Ramsey hits that ceiling as well or that that wall. Joey Hayden pretty playing pretty well for his old age. And I wouldn't hate it at all as if, if he has a similar season to the past two he had in Pittsburgh. And that's enough to bring him back for another year. I don't know how much his pride is going to take a hit by just getting a one-year deal year after year in Pittsburgh. But to me, if that can keep Joe Hayden in Pittsburgh, I would have no problem with it. This is as, long, as long as he's playing to the level he's played the last two years. This is a guy that held his head up extremely high uh, throughout all those terrible, terrible Cleveland Browns teams that he was by far the best player on the roster for. So I don't think pride is going to be an issue for him as well, far as taking maybe because he did say earlier when he made the announcement that he wanted to retire with the Steelers. He had said that he would never even consider moving to the safety position, which you see a lot of guys do. Uh, as I've, as I just mentioned, when you hit that wall as a cornerback, it's, it's a move a lot of guys make when they hit that wall at that position to move over to the safety because it gives you a lot more freedom. You don't have to just go man to man as you're typically asked to do as a cornerback. But he said he wouldn't even consider the possibility. I don't know why. I mean, I, Patrick Peterson was another guy that I think I saw that said he would never move from cornerback to safety, I believe. You know, some guys, they're the elites of the elites at that position. It's their position. I mean, he's been playing that since Florida. I don't know if that's necessarily a pride thing as much as a I just know what's better for me kind of thing. Like, I know I'm not as good of a safety as I am at cornerback. You're going to hurt me and in turn hurt your team if you ask me to make that's possible. this position change. 
Uh, One-year deals only, though, I think, is what Joe Hayden's going to get, not just from the Steelers, probably around the NFL, mm-hmm. too. The big risk you're taking, though, if you're the Steelers here, and I think it's a risk you have to take when you have guys like T.J. Watt you got to sign still. you got guys like Minka that's going to come up due. On the offensive side of the ball, you got guys like, I mean, this is four years down the road now, but you're going to have to plan for Najee eventually as long as he pans out. Chase Claypool, obviously, is going to be due for a contract. Deontay as well. you got a lot of other pressing needs with younger mm-hmm. players here that you can't be wrapping stuff up with Joe Hayden. So you let him go year by year. You let him enter free agency for the first time. There's a lot of bad GMs and a lot of bad organizations out there that might offer Joe Hayden a four-year deal worth crazy amount of money, and you end up losing him that way. But listen, Steelers Nation, if that happens 365 days from now, a little less than that, do not get so up in arm, pitchfork torches. Why did the Steelers let this guy go? He's great. That's just the product of another team way overpaying for it. Right. And that's something that I think is definitely going to potentially happen as he hits that open market. I mean, you see a guy with a name like Joe Hayden, and if he has a good year in 2021, teams are going to overspend. Mm -hmm. It's the nature of of the beast in the NFL. Absolutely. Not every GM, not every team has a guy like Kevin Colbert at – doing their business for them. But one thing, it wouldn't kill me to see someone like Joe, people saying, oh, it's Joe Hayden, we lost Joe Hayden. That's not what's concerning to me. It's the fact that we just spent a whole segment prior to this talking about roster cuts. We saw, obviously, at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the offseason, Steve Nelson go. And then two guys who we thought were going to make the Final 53 and, and, and Antoine Brooks and Arthur Millette both didn't make it. So now if you also lose Joe Hayden, your cornerback depth really becomes thin. Steve Nelson is on the Philadelphia Eagles. He will start opposite of Darius Slay, according to their depth chart. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. On our next episode, Cam Newton, Cam Newton, Cam Newton. Got to get into what happened up in New England on cutdown day, so we will sink our teeth into that and some other smaller NFL storylines as well. For Jacob Brecht, I am Tom Opperman. Thanks, as always, for listening to The Standard, and thanks, as always, for listening to Steelers Nation Radio.